Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Untucked. Um, today we're going to talk about some of the reasons to hire a financial advisor that are not quantifiable. Um, we're going to discuss taxes and the maybe unnecessarily um, complex tax code that exists in the United States. And finally, we're going to wrap up with swearing at work. Enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 65 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. And this is Jeff. Every odd number has an E in it. Every. every every odd number has an E in it. Forever and ever into infinity. But not every even number. In fact, there's a lot of even numbers that don't have E's in them. Two. Four. Six. I mean, I don't have anything to I don't, say. I don't. I don't either. I think it's wild. I mean, that's like saying every day of the week has a Y in it. Right, but this is every other number <laughs> guaranteed to have an E in it. Because E's the most popular letter there is. Of all time, is an R? No, I think E is. Really? R? S T. I would have said S. Yeah. If I had to guess. I mean, on Wheel of Fortune, it's, I mean, they give you R, S, T, L, and N, I think. And I don't know which vowel they give you. Probably E. It might be E. I have to research it. Okay. I mean, nothing impresses this guy. <laughs> no, like, I, yeah, you're previous, right. My previous. Pretty thing. tough, tough crowd. Yeah. Yeah. All okay. you have to do is just sit here and hear the fun fact. I, I actually I have did. to. Yeah, no, I know. You do all the work on it. I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. <laughs> so you start with the Sixers. I don't, I mean, absolutely. I don't see why not. So, Mike, how how in tune are you? Not at all. Oh, my gosh. This kills me. This guy kills me. So. Why do I have to, like, be, like. I, like you don't. I don't watch any flyers. It's it's yeah. a good, it's a good dynamic. Just because you're, like, the sports guy. Um, Super fan, number one. Game three in Toronto. Going into the game, Sixers are up 2 nothing in the series. They win game three in overtime. Joel Embiid hits a fadeaway three with like less than a second left on the shot clock, less than two seconds or two and a half seconds on the game clock to win the game. They were down 17 at one point. In the first N- half, yeah. Never led in the game until Maxi makes a layup in overtime. Mm-hmm. Like they were fighting the whole game, getting st- – getting just crapped on from the crowd the whole game. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's it. They have the, I read on Twitter, it's like the first opportunity to sweep since like 1990, sweep a playoff series. For the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Just, w- I'm just going to warn you. Don't get too up because the disappointment will be crushing. I'm too up. Yeah, I'm I, way too I up already. 
I don't think the Sixers are going to win the championship. Okay. Yeah, I'm not there. All right. Can they? I think they can, but I'm not there. I think they 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 beat the Raptors. I mean, last night they beat the Raptors. That's going to happen. Like I think the record is 104 and 0 in the NBA when you lead by three. Yeah. There's no way they're going to lose three games at home. It's just not going to happen. So that like the series is over. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that. I think the next series is going to be tough. I mean, it's either. Wait, didn't they have two no. games at home already? They won both. How, how do they have three more at home? Like they're it's imp- like it's they, two two one 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 or two three two two one one one. Yeah. So there, if they went to seven, there would potentially okay, be they're not three more. Lose two at home. Two at home. Yeah. Um, I think the next round is going to be tougher than this one. Of course. Um. And I and I, uh, my excitement will be guided by kind of how that one goes, but it doesn't matter I mean, if they make it to the finals and they play Phoenix. I think that's a real man. If I was a betting man, I would take Phoenix. But it's so, just sorry, again. Matt, it's is you sweep mm-hmm. and you get a little bit of rest. Is mm-hmm. that better than carrying the momentum like right away into the next series? Um. I think with this team, rest is better. Just, I mean, Joel played like 45 minutes last night. Like, mm. in order for them to be as good as they are, he has to play a lot of minutes. And he's a big person. So I would say for this particular team, rest is better. I think there's a lot to be said about momentum for sure. But I'd rather get him days off. Agreed. Okay. Like them going seven games in this series. And then going right into another series with, with for Joel specifically, I think is important that he gets some rest. Yeah. So if they win the se- when they win the series, they play the winner of Miami Atlanta. Miami is winning that series two nothing right now. And Miami's the number one seed in the East. Miami's good. They're obviously the best team out of the East this year. I like that matchup for the Sixers a lot. Um so I'm optimistic that you know in terms of getting through this in four maybe five and then having a break before having to to go to miami i like that that route so far um other than the sixers though the playoffs have been awesome like good games competitive games for the most part so it's been a fun time as a basketball fan and then it helps that the team i root for is playing as well as they are the first two games at home, like they were, like they just they six or smoked them. So that yeah, was, they won going away. Yeah, that was fun to like have a no pressure game to watch. Um, and then last night's game was just you had that feeling if they can just stay in it, if they can just claw back, anything can happen towards the end of the game. At the end of regulation, like Joel takes a shot, misses it. Yeah, Tobias gets the rebound, no foul called, misses the putback. I mean, it was. Super exciting and super fun to watch. Yeah. And then he hits the shot from the same spot where he missed it in regulation. I mean, it was just, it's fun. It's fun to watch. And it's, for me, like, those are the games that the past five years, they don't win. Like, they lose those games more often than not. Whether it's, you know, poor decision-making down the, like, at the end, not having the guy who you confidently give them give the ball to to make the shot. And, like, they do now. I mean, Joe is that guy. Um, 
So yeah, it's fun. How about his post game? He says, "I haven't thought about that 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 shot and Toronto in the last three years." Like the Kawhi shot. Yeah. Yeah. When he was interviewed post game, Joel, yeah. I, I haven't thought about you know that game in three years. Yeah, he's what, lying. What are you? <laughs> it was Especially all over his <laughs> in Toronto. Yeah. It was all over his face. All he wanted to do was beat their asses last night. Well, it's just it's also so physical. I mean, I don't know if you've heard any of the drama around like the refing and the foul calls. So all season there's been, especially since Harden's been added to the roster, there's been a lot of people bitching about the calls that the Sixers get because Joe and James Harden shoot so many free throws and they shoot them well, right? Joe's like an 80 plus percent free throw shooter. Harden's like a 90 plus percent free throw shooter. So like the going into the playoffs, it was like, oh, well, if Joel Embiid didn't get as many calls as he gets, um, you know, he wouldn't average the points he averaged, like whatever. Yeah, I did see that where somebody said, well, then don't foul the guy. Exactly. And then going into Toronto, the they're very undersized. They're just a smaller team. And, I mean, they have no response. Nobody who can even try to guard him. So he's getting double and triple teamed and fouled. And it's just, it's so, so physical um, that he's going to come out on top in most of those situations. But like now the discourse is, you know, the refing and, and who's getting better calls and who's at the advantage at the, you know, ref's decision making. So whether, I mean, when they win this, there's going to be a lot of disgruntled <laughs> Dude, Toronto fans. Night, Toronto couldn't miss in the first half, maybe three quarters. And they got every call. Yeah. Like every call. They got all the help they, they, they could possibly get. Yeah. And they still lost. I mean, it's over. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Are the Flyers done? Is it season? Is it still going on? Yeah, they have like five games left. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Says the guy who loves baseball is 162 <laughs> games. Dude, <laughs> Phillies are imploding. Oh. <laughs> Thank God they won last night. But the Flyers, yeah, they're, they're, they've actually gone so far downhill. They might be the worst positioned franchise in the whole in the whole league right now in terms of like how far they have to go to get back and how much of a shit show it is from the front office to the coaching to the players on the ice to you're hearing rumblings now that some of the guys that they have a guy like they signed Ryan Ellis in the offseason who played like four games and then has been out since with some sort of undisclosed lower body maybe core maybe you know hip and we're now hearing that he's really pissed off because the medical staff has been unable to diagnose what's wrong with him. And in addition is disgusted with this whole team and their lack of effort and their, and, and doesn't want to be here Hmm. and maybe never did. Wow. Yeah, and so you have that, and then you hear some other stuff from some of the young guys that are just coming into the league and playing. They're giving them a, a shot, and some of them are pretty vocal. Like, yeah, there's uh, be nice to have a winning culture here, or something that was like, you know, you, you could get excited about. It, it sounds like it's really, really brutal, like behind the scenes and and in the in the whole team, you know, environment, which. 
which just means there there has to be a full on clean up, but it's very hard to do that with yeah salaries and all that kind of stuff. It's so, not good. So how does that sit with you as a fan? Does it make you less interested in the team? Are you still like a no? It doesn't. Not me, but. Um, it's it's very disappointing because I'm I'm perfectly happy watching the playoffs and watching other teams play. I don't. Yeah. I mean, of course, I'd rather have the Flyers be in there. But I mean, if you look at the history of this organization, it's it's just horrible what's happened. It was it had such a winning culture, yet Ed Snyder, who was the greatest owner, players loved him. Everybody loved him. He he made no bones about how much he was willing to, you know stick his own neck out and money out to create a winning team. And they were, they only had like a few bad years here and there and they were, but they were always in the playoffs. They yeah. were mostly contending. And if you look at this team over the past, like eight years, I think they've alternated out of the playoffs in the playoffs, but they kind of bounced right away. Right. right. Never really competitive. And it's sad. It's sad to see what's happened to this, this, and a lot of people are blaming Comcast and the ownership. And I think, I think it goes up and down the whole organization. And I hate to, I mean, I was <laughs> the beginning of the season. I'm like, they're going to be, they're going to be pretty good. And it's been, it couldn't have been worse. Couldn't have been worse. Hearing you say that it's like, it's, it's really landing on me. Like I remember, I mean, I grew up watching the flyers in the eighties and the nineties, right? The, the flyers, Oilers, Stanley cup, you know, the, the Broad Street Bullies. I mean, their the culture they had was awesome. I mean, it was a really good team. And now it's like I don't even care about them. Like I'll watch them, but like there's no identity to the team. Nothing. You can see that the the energy, the effort level is non-existent. And I I guess it's understandable, but and plus it's hard because like half the roster is a bunch of like young guys that are they're just trying to see what they've got. There's no personality. They are, they are just uncompetitive. Doesn't even begin to describe what they are out there, night after night. Um, so you had players when you had like Hartnell and Simmons and and Giroux, when you had all like these guys that had personalities, like they were fun. They're just not fun now. It's a shame. It's going to be a while. Thank God it's yeah. baseball season, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. What do you got? Not much. Not much. They came out hot. Won their first series. It's been kind of rough ever since. Yeah, they're four, they went like I think they were like they won their first series, and then I think they lost a second, so they were in three and three. Then they lost a bunch, and they were four and eight, and they won last night, so they're five and eight. So uh, it's early. Got a lot of baseball left. <laughs> we know. <laughs> Got some talent though, so feeling good. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Coach's Corner. Let's do it. Five reasons to hire a financial planner as a millennial. Um, this is written by Thomas Kopelman um, on his website, thomaskopelman.com. This article is titled, Why Millennials Need Financial Advisors, but for the reasons he gives, all of which are, are pretty good, um, they can really be applied to, to any age group. I think the reasons are great, but he, he completely ignored... Um, all of the the different things that millennials or young couples right have to do deal with to deal with sure and kind of what I was thinking about as I was reading it was 
when you think about 529 plans and am I saving enough for retirement? And what's my emergency fund look like? And how do I allocate my 401k? And did we get our legal documents done? And who's our guardians for our kid? Like go on and on and on and on. How come there's so many, and maybe there aren't, but how come there's so many couples or families or young families or millennials or single people that think they can do all this effectively themselves? Uh, it's a good question. I think you could argue that regardless of age or life point in life, I mean, retirement's the same thing, right? Social security, Medicare, estate planning, how do I take income, right? The 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 issues that we deal with are different at different stages, but there's never like none of them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe there's just too much going on when you're younger. Sure, you have a lot of other focus and, and time spent on other things. Right, so you're just like, um, like I can't, I can't hire a financial planner. Yeah. I, I think the way that that financial advice has evolved, like we've evolved it here with the New Wealth Project, has made it accessible, right? You're yeah. going to get good advice for a fair price. Yeah. Um, so I think now that those kinds of options exist, there's no reason not to. Yeah. And once once people realize, okay, well, if I engage with someone and I pay them, we're actually going to be better off. Like the couple we just met with, like they said to me last week, we never would have done these projects at our house if we hadn't met Megan. Like we never would have done it. And they felt so awesome about making progress. Well, it's because you have someone doing number one, right. holding you accountable. Right. Going through this with thinking through it with you, taking an hour and a half every quarter to just talk it out. Like the progress that you make when you do that is unbelievable. Yeah. But I think a couple things. Inertia is huge, right? I mean, and the subject matter is really not exciting for most people sure. at all. I mean, people love planning a vacation and will you know, spend tons of time on that. But getting to this stuff is, it's, it's kind of painful, you know? I do, but it's like, that's no excuse. Like this dictates the rest of your like livelihood and, and your, and those vacations and all the fun you're going to have is all guided by your money. Yeah. But think about the couple we just met with. They're not thinking about 30 years from now or 20 years from now or 10 months from now. They're thinking about tomorrow. Like you have the kids, you have the job that you do nine to five and then you have your kids you have to run everywhere else. Like I, I think most people, whether it's financially related or otherwise, aren't thinking long-term. I, I don't know that we as humans have like a, a true capacity. I think that's a very intentional line of thinking that a lot of people avoid because they don't want to or just they don't, they, they don't, have to one uh, you know like they don't think to right and i shouldn't say that all of that's going to be guided by money because it doesn't money doesn't drive happiness for everybody and, and it doesn't dictate all the fun things you're going to do but has a huge part in it i think there's a big there's a big part of it yeah. i just having someone to check in with you and know that you have someone that knows your situation that can handle a lot of what you don't want to handle there's a price to it. You should do it. You're going to be better off for it. And yeah, I know you'd rather scroll through Facebook for three hours a day, but maybe, I don't know, carve off an hour or two each month and and engage with someone that will, I, I guess you're right, dude. Like they, like they just hate it. Most people just don't like talking about it. 
Yeah, I, I think that's the majority of the issue is that this subject is like kryptonite for a lot of people. And with couples, it's like they don't always see eye to eye when it comes yeah. to this stuff. Yeah, or, or it requires people to be honest about spending habits or debts or, or, or you know, whether it's with their partner or with a, an advisor, you know, and, and maybe people are uncomfortable by that and, and they shy away from it because they don't, they don't want to be honest. Yeah. I mean, in tra- like traditionally financial planning has been, I, I would say inaccessible is a really good word for, for the millennials, right? The, the surge of, of financial planners now who offer services to that age group is, uh, is it fair to say relatively new, yep. right? It's traditionally very much retirement focused. Um, so I think accessibility is very important. And then, you know, being able to maybe dispel some of the um, concerns, some of the criticisms around, right, the financial services industry. I think um, there's there's some of that with, with the millennial age group that you have to be cognizant of. You know, is this person genuinely here to help me, right? Or is there some ulterior motive? I think that's fair. Um, but then I think beyond like what that group of people needs, what his article talked about, the the reasons to hire somebody, like we started off saying, I don't care if you're a millennial or you're a Gen Xer or you're a retirement plan, like you're going to retire. These reasons are applicable to, to any age group. Um, do we want to maybe run through them quickly? Yeah, I mean, I thought he nailed it. Like, yeah. if you get a, a, a millennial or a retire- or anyone that says, "Look, I'm open to getting financial advice and engaging with a financial planner," these will absolutely happen. Mm-hmm. Or you just hired the wrong planner. Mm-hmm. Um, so the list of reasons: financial planners create forced accountability. So you mentioned this earlier, Jeff, just with um, schedules and, and you know, life outside of sitting down and, you know, reviewing or executing on your financial plan, having somebody whose job is to help you do that, right? Hold you accountable to doing the things you've, you've talked about doing. Um, financial planners can help alleviate your stress around finances, the statistic he gave was 48% of U.S. adults experience high or moderate levels of anxiety around their level of savings. I would have thought that number would be higher. Yeah. But I feel like maybe it's because people don't even know they don't have enough. Right. <clears throat> Financial planners are your unbiased sounding board. We talk about this a lot, right? We're not emotional about other people's money. <clears throat> they free up your time. This is the one that I think is probably the one that goes on, like people don't consider it enough, right? Hiring somebody to do what we do, like then you don't have to. Right. Like I, 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 I'm good at this, right? I'm not good at other things. So I hire other people who are better at right. those to do those like on your behalf. Um, and then financial planners are the second set of eyes on your finances to help overcome biases and blind spots. Um, <clears throat> you know what I find interesting about all five of those that you just read? What? Not, you can't quantify, quantify any of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's 
when people engage with planners or for people, other people for a service and are like, oh my God, well, that's like, that's, that's way too expensive. Like, excuse me, how much does that cost per year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but can you, like, how do you even quantify it? Like, I've alleviated stress. I've given you unbiased opinion. I've freed up your time. How much is your time worth? I've held mm-hmm. you accountable, right? You've got a second set of eyes to review everything that you've done. Mm-hmm. And we don't even have to talk about like how much better the investments are and the fact that we save sure. some tax dollars here. And then we've opened up a line of credit, which gives you access to 150 grand that you didn't have. Like none of this is quantifiable, which makes that's my biggest beef with our business and yeah. how people critique what we charge. It's like, OK, well, then what do you think's fair? Yeah. When you get to the point with somebody where it's, you know, well, why should I hire you? Like we've built the plan maybe, right? And you've said that I'm doing X, Y, and Z, right? Well, why do I need this ongoing forum or this ongoing resource? And it's, well, all of the reasons that were just described, but how how do you convey to them like how important those things are? And what I find to be the most valuable is, hey, here's the name and number of somebody who was in your exact shoes, you know, three years ago. And they took a leap of faith because one of these things mattered a little bit more. And three years later, they're better off for these reasons and for, you know, whatever else. Having like somebody who's not part of the group or, you know, trying to, I'll say sell, right? The the idea of the, the relationship, um, I feel like is super valuable in those cases. So how many people would you say that we encounter and talk to or have a phone call with or meetings with and end up saying no because of the cost and is there a common denominator in terms of like that kind of person i don't think that uh, the percentage is not very high because i think most people that reach out to us are interested in getting financial advice and having a long-term relationship with a financial planner i've noticed that to be different with the millennial age group agreed yeah like they're they're less willing to pay for ongoing service very willing to build a plan right get initial kind of assessment of the state of their situation now and then not necessarily interested in what you were describing hey once a quarter let me have this forum or this resource. Yeah, and I think our industry, and I'm blaming, I'm thinking about the fidelities of the world, for example, that have done a disservice because they've they've marketed and sold the idea of pay a fee and you're going to get a booklet, which is your financial plan, and yeah. then see you later. Like, yeah. And that's just absolutely the wrong way to do it, right? I mean, is it is it worth something? Sure. But, I mean, what do you do? 12, 18, 24 months from now when like in between. lots of yep. stuff has changed. Yep. They they go so what the, so I th- I think what's happening Meg is you're you're building a plan, you're taking people through it, you dot a lot of i's and cross a lot of t's, they feel really good, but then we can handle it from here. Yeah. And and then they expect like okay, well 18 or 24 months is going to go by and when we need help again, we'll just come back. Yeah. Well, how many mistakes did you make over those 18 to 24 months? How much time did you dedicate to dealing with it? Nothing. You've ignored all those things because, you know, you went back to living your life. And now I would say, like, I'm not going to come back to that. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to re-engage that, that person. Yeah. No, I'm not going to start over, Mm -hmm. ask you for all your documents again, review the last three years of tax return. Like, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. 
you either want to work with us full time and we'll make your life a lot better and you'll have a lot more money or don't Mm -hmm. do it on your own. And there's some people that can do all this that can help hold themselves accountable and are really good at that. Well, then you don't need someone, right? Like Mike, you're good at that. Like, you know how to do all this stuff and you do it all your on your own. But you've used the analogy before of like personal trainer, right? You don't mm-hmm. go in there and then have them give you a workout regimen and say, thanks, here's your 150 bucks and I got it from here. Almost nobody's going to get it from there, right? I do that. I engage with a trainer and then he gives me workouts. I'm good enough to I go and do them on my own. But I know my results are not as good. Yeah. yeah. I know like I'm, I'm at the gym and I'm doing something I'm like, you know what? I know he would probably say like, don't let your shoulders dip down. Like, and he'd let me, he'd have me lighten the weight so that my posture is good. So I know I'm not getting the results that I would if I worked out with him every single time. So at least I'm cognizant of it, but right. no, it's a great example. I think when you engage a financial planner and then go away, like there's this, there's this subconscious that, well, we're doing great. Like we're doing everything that they told us to do. And you're not realizing a lot of the things like the couple we just met with. They have a rental property. They haven't raised a rent in three mo- in three years, four years. If they were engaging with us, yeah, which like they did today, we said raise the rent. Where have you been? What are you doing? <laughs> like, come on, that's very quantifiable. Yes, yes. I think it's awesome that the, that the service that we're providing is becoming more available, and I think as time goes on people are going to understand this stuff a little bit more because I think our this industry is changing a little bit. The financial planner has more respect that, that they did 10 years ago. Um, so I think it's it's all good and it's going. And I was really excited to read the article because I thought the guy kind of nailed it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Taxes, the 10-second tax returns is from The Atlantic. It was written by Derek Thompson. Everyone's favorite day of the year, tax day, which was Monday. Derek's article takes on America's tax filing system and suggests rather strongly a revamp. He notes that about half of American taxpayers earn all of their income from one employer's wages and interest from only one bank, um, both of which the IRS has access to. So why the messy, complicated, and confusing process that currently exists? So full disclosure, this article from The Atlantic was not 16 pages long. Yeah. Yeah. That's a refresher, huh? Thanks, Derek. <laughs> right? right? It was like scroll it's, once or twice and yeah. you were done. Mm-hmm. Probably was, the shortest Atlantic article we've had. Like ever. my my I was like mind blown when I read this article. <laughs> it seems so obvious to me and it never even dawned on me. Right? Like you do your taxes and then the IRS comes back to you and they say sometimes, nope, you missed this. It should be that. Well, then why aren't like, they just... Yeah, your do- math was wrong. Like you, your dividend income was this and then your wages were that and you told us it was something else. This was reported they to have- us from Vanguard and you told us... like, So if you have everything, why am I preparing a tax return? Just send it to me. I'll click the yes, that looks good box and move on. I mean, sure. Yeah, for, for the people that have no... Um, what, do you, what, do you, what would you you're call it? You're not itemizing it? deductions. Or you're not sort of self-reporting stuff that right. you're, you're either making up or right. it's not in the hands of the IRS. Um, for the people that have none of that, yeah, it makes perfect sense. But 
that would require the IRS, a.k.a. the government, to actually do something. Which is already unfunded. I think they were saying the IRS is like not a real flush organization. <laughs> and hey, don't forget the, the lobbyists, right? There's a huge lobby that, that preserves and makes even more complicated the tax code so that there's work for accountants and CPAs and, and, and by the way, Intuit, who yeah. owns TurboTax yeah. and H&R Block, they are in Washington with in droves making sure that nothing changes so that they exist. It's a shame. That's a shame because, I mean, how many people have like W-2 income, they take a standard deduction, they don't own a rental property, they're not itemizing. Like, it's just, okay, just send me my return. Mm-hmm. I think it's genius. But you're saying because of all of like the money grabs out there and the people that like influence, yeah, and having like that's why it's not going to change. Why can't they still? Why can't that still exist when you have forty or fifty percent of the of the population still filing returns? It's a complete overhaul of the system. Like, and when do systems get overhauled in this country? Yeah, the IRS isn't even opening their mail because they don't have enough people. They, they don't answer a phone. Their website crashed this past week you know, because when, people can file yeah. on the IRS website and it doesn't even work. <laughs> like we're so far from the, you know, the, the index card thing or the, or the, you know, the IRS doing your taxes for you uh, idea. It's just the text no. message from the government that like Estonia gets that says you're, you're filed. Could you imagine? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, someone's trying to hack me. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you don't see this coming anytime soon? Uh, no. Not in my lifetime. Okay. What else we got? <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> Work makes us, or makes us want to swear, but should you? Um, this is from the Wall Street Journal written by Rachel Feinzig. Cursing in the workplace. Is it acceptable? Is it not? Rachel's article explores the varying opinions of it, citing a few examples of personal usage and the fallout, good and bad, from using foul language in a professional setting. So, full disclosure, we curse a lot. Yeah. If you had to rank <laughs> rank order the cursors. I'm number one, far and away. Uh, Jeff, Jeff's up there. Really? Yeah. I think I'm pretty high up on yeah. the list. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, that makes me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So this was an interesting one to me because um, you, what you hear a lot from people is that people who curse routinely when they speak do so because they have a limited vocabulary. And that is a character flaw, let's say. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to that. I do. Um, but I also think... You can go overboard with that stance, and you know if you if you're automatically canceling anyone who drops an f bomb, then you know th- that's a problem. Um, I think there's a big difference between cursing in the workplace in an office like ours that has less than ten people, sure, than if you're at Vanguard, sure, or you know a large organization where you you like you're gonna get like fired or or career limited if you're running around dropping f-bombs that's just the way it is yeah um but on the other hand i would say that in our society 
cursing has been elevated by a lot, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In in just in general, um, TV, media, social, everything. It's like it's everywhere. It's compared to what it was a few decades ago. It's not even close. They didn't curse on the happy days. No, and you couldn't. I mean, there was no, cur- there was limited, cur- I mean, I think like Scarface was like the first movie where there was just so much cursing that right. people were like, oh, my. now it's like. PG really? movies have yeah. the F-bomb. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I, and I, so what's my point? I guess I can see both sides of it. Um, and obviously it's all in the context and how you, like, you don't, you don't run around Wegmans dropping <laughs> F-bombs because they're out of applesauce. Or maybe Jeff, maybe you do. Most people don't. Yeah, most people don't do that. <laughs> I kind of looked at this article in a different, in a, in a couple different ways. So it's like you have your your workplace banter. So like when you're talking to the people you work with, mm-hmm. we're in a small company. We all are good friends. So it's like you're hanging out at the bar with your good friends. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of f bombs. There's going to be a lot of like foul language. I wouldn't say like vulgar. Like we're not like completely like disgusting, but like you know. The S word, the F bomb, like it happens. What's the S word? I don't know. <laughs> um, but then I was thinking about it in the context of like, we also engage with clients. Sure. And that's a different level, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it almost gets eliminated. Like there is, a, and I'm good about not using it. But when I was reading an article, I, I looked at it like, but I do use it sometimes. Not the F word. Very rarely, if I can ever remember using an F word in a client meeting. But, hey, man, we got to get our shit together here. And, like, yeah. when you say it like that, it's emphasizing, like, to the client, this is a serious part of this conversation because I just, like, said shit. Like, you need to get your shit together. So rather than just kind of using it frivolously, for lack of a better term. Um, so I looked at it that way as well, where you can engage with someone and it's very professional, right? Maybe you're in, a, in an interview to get a job and maybe it can be used if you're if you're gauging your your conversation with the person who's interviewing you, it can be used to like emphasize something. Maybe not an f bomb, but something sure. like that. I so worked my way. ass off on that project. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. Oh, you want to talk to me about the work I did in in Punta Cana? Yeah, man, I work. Yeah. I think that can put an exclamation point on something, and it, and it's and it's fair to use it. And if the woman or guy doesn't hire you because you said ass in an interview, well, I don't want to work there anyway. Yeah. So I was kind of looking at it that that way as well. Yeah, I'm very much a time and place. Mm-hmm. Like, I, to your point here, no clients. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I even think about what words I will or or will not use. Um, engaging with a client, taking a phone call, um, sitting at lunch with my grandmother, right? Coaching the girl, like it, it's all for me very situational in in terms of how much I use it. Meeting someone or curse. Meeting someone for the first time, probably not going to curse at all unless I hear them curse. Then maybe I will, you know, maybe then I'll feel comfortable to do it. But I try to, that's kind of the way I've always approached it. I don't get offended by it though. Like I I would never, if I went into an interview or a workplace and somebody else was cursing, I wouldn't think anything of it. You know, it doesn't, unless they were calling me, I guess, a curse word. Like, right. someone called me a bitch, I'd probably be offended. But, like, if they were doing what you're saying, Jeff, or if I noticed just the rapport among the people there was comfortable enough, then, I, I mean, 
I'm not going to go out and be like, I don't want to work there or like that. That would never cross my mind. If you got hired day one in a new place and everyone's just dropping F-bombs like every other word, that would be a little awkward, right? That was literally what happened to me. Is it really? (laughs) (laughs) I just don't remember. I shared an office with you. <laughs> it's been so long, Meg, I can't even remember. But I guess back to the back to the other side of it. I mean, I listened to um, one of the podcasts I listened to is um, there's a it's a it's a hockey one that I just came upon. An ex player and they did, they just interview people and they talk about what's going on or whatever. Um, he's annoying to me because pretty much every third word is the F bomb. He can't mm. say he can't utter a sentence without it and i and it's noticeable yeah and it makes me kind of not like him yeah mm. and also I, I have the same feeling when i see a celebrity or a musician who's interviewed or talking and they're the same way it's like you can't even speak without you know every fourth or fifth word being yeah. like that's just to me that's a big put off um and maybe that's cultural call me yeah maybe you but, know it's playing hockey it's it's rocking out in a band and yeah i mean that's Every, that's probably from lack of vocabulary. Okay, yeah, maybe, and that's maybe that's the point that some people were making in the right, like if, if in the if, comment section. If you play yeah. hockey yeah. for a living, you're not engaging in like deep conversations like about anything other than like. That's hockey. not true. That's not true because I listen to tons of guys uh, get interviewed who are former players or players, and they can speak like a normal human without sure. having to like you know pepper it with. You know, or you know, they think they're emphasizing their point. I mean, maybe to your point, and it's not. Yeah, it turns out not to be. It's they the missed opposite. the point. Yeah. Anyway, as the old guy on the yeah. podcast, <laughs> I'm, bringing, I'm bringing the other point of view. I think I think it's a real interesting discussion to have. Yeah, like I talking agree. about because one of my character flaws is I'll just drop it. Like if I engage with a stranger, like the person I'm trying to think of, like I don't know, I'm talking to somebody about something. Like at a store, and like I'll just I'll slip and I'll like use an f bomb, and I probably shouldn't. Like to you, Matt, yeah. to your point, Meg, like you might want to like hold back, yeah, and wait to see if that person's gonna like curse first. If they curse first, I'm and cool so, with it, and I mean I probably won't automatically just run like f and right. Glad we're there, but like if it's a complete stranger, I definitely like will feel more comfortable maybe saying you know shit or. Damn, I don't say damn, but like damn, who says damn? <laughs> I just I'm not gonna say the F word. <laughs> this might be th- this podcast might be my like aside from client stuff, the thing at work that requires me to be restraint. most yeah. yeah, to have some restraint. <laughs> yeah, and luckily I edit the podcast as well, so yeah. I have a lot of control over that. <laughs> okay, top five. How'd you guys do with this one? I'll say what it is, and I'll, I'll tell you how I did with it. <laughs> say what? Describe what, what's the top five. Uh, top five titles, and it could be like movie, show, book, titles with di- with a direction in the, in the name. Yeah, I initially thought, oh, this will be easy. Me too. And it wasn't. Um, I couldn't think of very many, and it, it's not very Googleable, right? I struggled with Google. And, and uh, even I though I think that's... I have to consult Googs. Really? Yeah. Good. <laughs> this was not good. I, I did not come up with a good list, but really, yeah. Um, okay. so, I mean, I'll, I'll start. <laughs> wow, I can't wait to yeah. get into it. And it doesn't mean I like these. Anyway, I'll, sure, I'll, I'll sure. start with this. I mean, South Park. Yep. By the way, I think I've only seen like one episode, so I don't even, yeah. you know, know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
I've got Black Hawk Down, the movie. Mm. Oh, good mm-hmm. one. That is a good one. Um, my next one is a show I've never seen, <laughs> but The West Wing. Good one. Yeah. yeah. It's a great show, by the way. I'm sure it is. Fantastic. I, I, yeah, I've heard. I just noticed. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, the movie Up in the Air, starring yeah. George Clooney as the uh, consultant who fires people. Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then number one, you know, it, this came to I know, mind. I know where you're going. Eastbound and down. Yeah. 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 That's All a right. good one. You got two in that one. East yeah, and eastbound down. Eastbound and down. Yeah. 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 That was on mine. Was up in the air also? Up. Yeah, up was on mine. Was on too. mine. The movie up. The animated movie. Yeah. Do you want to go or you want me to go? Okay. You're fine. Um The Song All Falls Down by Kanye West. Okay. It's a good one. <laughs> we went song. I didn't know songs. What's the title? It? There were so many songs okay, too. Yeah, it's like yeah, stayed away from them. Whole... Literally, I was I listened to that song on the ride in here today when before I did my top five. Um, West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an obvious one. So was up. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the it, it's like a festival. It's like a movie music festival, South by Southwest. Okay. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> The movie Southpaw. Southpaw? Okay. It's yeah. one word, but like South's yeah, yeah. in it. Yeah. And then Last House on the Left. Ooh, that's a good one. What is that? It's like a horror movie. Yeah. Okay. So I was trying I... to get... Sorry. Okay, no, you're... I was trying to get more creative with my directions, yeah. but that was difficult. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a movie called like My Left Foot, <laughs> which which is like a... I think it won the some... right stuff. <laughs> I think it won some stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I had South Central, which is a movie. Yeah. Uh, Eastbound and Down. I had the movie Up. I had the show Westworld. Mm. Yeah, I thought about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was a good one I liked. And I had the movie North Country. If anyone's ever seen that with Charlize Theron, it's pretty disturbing. Mm. Yeah, it's a good movie. Dark. Da- a little dark, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a really good movie. I was trying to use different, at, like, <laughs> I, I, like, I don't have anything with North. I got to find a <laughs> All right, we good? Yeah. Thanks for listening. See ya. Take care.